Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The road to Roland Garros is paved in Spanish clay this week as we are less than a month away from reaching the Terre Battue of Paris. Championship Sunday in Madrid was a top 10 showdown between a pair of young guns primed to claim one of the most unique trophies in tennis. Plus, we go behind the scenes with rising star Coco Gauff, who shares one of her training goals on the road to Roland Garros. And after 11 days in Spain, We've gathered the hottest shots and the prettiest points to bring you the best of the best. So what's trending and who's posting? We're checking the hashtags and handles from all the tennis platforms. Don't forget to call your mom. TC Live starts right now. It is the prestige in Madrid, the final act of magic at La Caja Magica. Welcome to TC Live, our half-hour post-game show to get you caught up on everything in the tennis world. Our experts will break down the men's final and what it means on the road to Roland Garros. Steve Weissman, Jim Courier, our other Hall of Famer, Andy Roddick on the way as well. Jim, you just called that. Another masterful performance in Madrid from Sasha Zverev. It really was. It was something to see him turn the disappointment of that first set tiebreaker where he was... Dead to rights, out of it. Down five, love, three mini breaks to Berrettini, and then Berrettini gave him another look. And Sasha hit the giant double fault at the head-scratching time of eight all on the breaker, and Berrettini closed him out. From there, Zverev faced one more break point. He was solid, and he got through it. Amazing. Andy, fourth Masters title for Zverev. Your quick thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he was able to avoid a lot of those second serves by serving 70% first serves and winning a, a bulk of those points. One of the big statistics that shouted at me that Jim actually referenced during the match uh, on numerous occasions was his, his second serve points won, even with those seven double faults, still winning 55% of them uh, on, on a kind of a, a red clay court. Uh, that's a big number for him. If he can continue to win above 50% on his second serve points, even with the double faults, he's going to be very tough to beat. All right, let's see how it all went down in Madrid. Sasha Zverev. Going for his fourth Masters title, Matteo Berrettini, his first fourth meeting between these two. And Berrettini would come out strong in this tiebreak. Yeah, this is where he had the match really in his hands. He makes an unforced error there. He hit a drop shot at 5-1 that didn't make it to the, the net. That's when you go, hey, maybe this guy's a little bit nervous and Zverev picked up on it too. So Zverev saves a couple of set points there. They trade some service points, but Zverev gave the double fault just before that set point. But he turned the page pretty quickly. Here's where the match switch shifted in his favor. It's a double fault from Berrettini down break point at four all. And Zverev able to hold serve, grinding it out. This drop shot play that had worked so well for Berrettini en route to the final. Zverev had that covered most of the match, and uh, that would be a, an important one for him to, to make sure he handled, which he did. Zverev, a couple of breakpoint chances, and he gets him right there. Strikes, and he just needs to keep holding serve, right? Easier said than done. He'd face a break point, but got through that service game pretty easily. 
didn't have to hold out, though. Plays a tough return game here. Baratine serving to stay in it. And the unforced error hands him well, well earned, in fact, 15th career title. Impressive stuff. Fourth Masters title, more than anyone other than the Big Four. And how about his third straight top 10 win for the second time in his career? He goes back to back to back against Rafa Nadal, Dominic Team, and Matteo Berrettini to lift that glorious trophy in Madrid. Andy, uh, what are some points from this match that stood out to you? Well, we, we put together a couple of packages from points early on in this match. I, I said yesterday that Zverev had a chance of establishing at least depth and direction with that two-hander. Obviously, Berrettini against Rudin Garin was kind of able to tee off. So we're just going to look at different ways where Zverev kind of is effective on otherwise benign points. Being able to look at Berrettini only got one forehand there. Zverev was able to redirect, get the chip, and then it turns the table as opposed to Berrettini getting two and three in a row. Uh, as we see him, and this is going to be another way for him to kind of avoid that that uh, that pitfall, the depth there. So getting the ball to land two feet in front of the baseline, really drive it through the court. All of a sudden, Berrettini shanks it because it's up his back foot, as opposed to uh, plowing kind of ahead. And here's another way if you're going to if you're going to kind of get someone off their game a little bit. That one is short, and you see the damage that Berrettini was able to do because Berrettini wasn't able to drive the ball through the court. These little kind of microaggressions make such a big deal in the grand scheme of tennis. Another way to get to someone's backhand is pound the forehand side, open it up so you don't have to work that hard, that easy, lazy ball. But even this miss by Zverev, he's trying to be intentional, trying to get it deep, keep it away from that Berrettini forehand when Berrettini gets two feet under him and inside the court. All of those points in a highlight package would have been like, what are these? They make no sense. They, they, there's really nothing here. Different ways people say, you know, it's kind of a lazy way to say, oh, you got to get to Berrettini's back end. It's strategic how you get it. You got to get there by depth direction or pounding the forehand to lay off to access it in an easier way. But even the errors that Zverev had, that lazy backhand where he missed it by a foot, it was intentional. It was going deep down the court as opposed to, to Rude and Garin in the, in the previous rounds. Berrettini wasn't able to get two feet under him with time and get two and three forehands uh, in a row. So uh, well done for, for Alex Zverev. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, Jim, as somebody who was looking to create patterns, dominate from that forehand in the backhand wing, what do you make of all that? Well, I, I think that, first of all, Andy, great work on that. And I think one of the big advantages for Zverev is how good his two-handed backhand and how easily he can redirect it. A lot of players whose backhands aren't as comfortable as his, they, they see big pace like you get from Berrettini. It's hard to change that and go down the line for Zverev. He's able to do that and be confident with the shot. I don't like this matchup for Matteo Berrettini, but because he's so powerful with his serve and his forehand, He's still able to make this quite competitive. I mean, I think once they're in the, the baseline rallies, I just love Zvera's versatility and his ability to stand back and absorb these bruising blows coming from Berrettini. Berrettini has the biggest shot once they're in the rally. His forehand is by far the biggest shot to finish in these ground strokes. But Zverev, the way Andy puts it, he's able to manipulate his way into winning positions in a lot of those rallies and neutralize what Mateo brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, the serve was huge for Zverev, Andy, being able to average 135 miles an hour on that first serve and win more than 70% of those points. I mean, he approached winning about 80% of his first serves throughout the past three matches. Yeah, it makes sense. And, 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 oh, by the way, it's not like he was playing guys that don't break a lot on clay, right? To go through Rafa Nadal, Dominic Team, and an informed Berrettini uh, like he did pretty convincingly, 
Now let's see how it shifts a little bit. He obviously likes the altitude. He likes the serving conditions in Madrid. It gets a little heavier in Rome. Let's see how it deals with it at Roland Garros. But he's got to be full of confidence going into those next events. And, uh, you know, listen, you don't win one of these by accident. You certainly don't win a clay court event going through Nadal team. And, uh, and at the end, Berrettini, super <laughs> impressive. Great stuff from Zverev this week. I mean, before this match, Berrettini was 29-1 and after winning the first set on clay. This is only the second time that somebody has come back on him after winning the first set. And what about the second serve, Jim? Well, the, the, the Zverev second serve is always a talking point. It's been for the last three, four years. We've been trying to figure it all out, and we still don't have quite a handle on it. One thing that was really interesting, Berrettini, unlike a lot of players these days, stands in to return the second serve of Sasha Zverev. And Sasha Zverev hit seven double faults, right? So Sasha Zverev won 16 out of 29 points. That's 55%. Uh, when he made second serves. You take away those double faults, and he only he only lost six points, 16 out of 22. So what that tells me is that, listen, I, I can make the, the mathematical case that Zverev is better off. We can come out of Hawkeye now. Um, Huska, thank you. Um, I, I can make the mathematical. You're going to hold it up there? You're not going to put us back on screen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just wondering what's going on here, because I was bored with that graphic. But anyway, my point is that for Zverev, you can make the case mathematically that he should hit a second serve as a first serve all time because he is the worst percentage-wise in the last season at winning second serve points. How is that possible that he was 87th out of 87 people judged by the ATP on second serve points and still in the top 10? Because he double faults a ton, and that's been a problem. But in this matchup, because mm. Berrettini's standing in and not doing any real harm with the return of serve, Zverev was winning those points if he made the serve. So it is a situational decision for him, in my opinion, unless he can solve what Andy and I and Steve, what we've all talked about ad nauseum, what might be technical fixes for him. That still, still seems to escape him. Yeah, to be able to have those issues and still come out with the title and look at the road that he was able to go through in order to get his second title in Madrid. I mean, Andy, these are big-name players. you got Nishikori, who's made a Grand Slam final, and then obviously the last three names in the top ten. Well, not to mention Dan Evans has been all of a sudden has become the dynamo of the clay courts uh, <laughs> at a great Britain this this season. But, um, you know, he was certainly I, I like seeing the mix because he's not the favorite on clay traditionally against Rafa, against team, maybe can play a little freer. We saw him get inside of the court. The pressure was squarely on, uh, on Zverev's shoulders today against Berrettini. He was the favorite on paper. He's the favorite in name. So to kind of come off of those two huge wins where maybe he was playing free, deal with the pressure, and get through Berrettini after playing a little bit of a dicey first set tiebreaker. Uh, you know, the nerves are certainly in full flight after being way down, getting it back, then uh, kind of blowing it a little bit there at the end at 8-all with that double fault. But showed a lot of, uh, of mental grit there. How about this? Fourth Masters 1000 in a row where none of the big three have won. That's the longest streak since 2003. We'll see if that changes in Rome, where the action is already underway. And we had Felix Oje Aliassim looking for his first tour-level win against Filip Krajinovic, lost last year to the Serbian in Rome, Andy. Yeah, you know, FAA, like everything, he has that firepower. He's able to hit winners off all sides of the court. What we want to see is when it comes down to the end, is he able to kind of tighten it up 
maybe stay away from some of those big airs. It seems like the winners come in bunches and the airs come in bunches. And on cue right here, you can see him with the quick double. The frustration gets there. And then uh, a couple more airs here to, to lose the second set. And all of a sudden, the match is turned. You're going, wait, what happened? I was in the driver's seat for this entire match. Hopefully, Tony Nadal can really uh, do something to help that. I think he knows a thing or two about kind of tightening it up each point and, uh, and really grinding towards the end. Um, but you can see him here at the, at the in the last game kind of making more balls, picking, he has a little bit more margin and finishing him off here. What was amazing to me, what, what really stood out was the reaction there at the end. Obviously intense, but as you see him kind of fist pump towards his box and then walk that deep breath, it's almost like relief. Plays Diego Schwartzman next. Meantime, Riley Opelka looking to snap a six-match losing streak. And he came out real strong, Andy, against a former top-ten player in Richard Gasquet. Yeah, you know, Gasquet has been out here a long time. Obviously knows how to play, knows how to play on the dirt. But Opelka's going to get balls to hit with, with Gasquet. Maybe that back end doesn't quite have as much firepower uh, as it used to when uh, uh, Richard Gasquet was in his prime. But this is a decent matchup for Opelka, being able to surf through the court, uh, and, and that you didn't see that a lot, like around 2007 from Gasquet kind of bricking a backhand. But uh, credit to Opelka, that's a win that he needed. I would have liked to see a little bit more motion right here. I got through. I didn't lose seven matches in a row. Uh, you know, but maybe out of res respect for uh, uh, the veteran, he kind of held it back a little bit. But a uh, great start from Opelka there. He needed that match. We'll play the winner of Musetti and her catch. By the way, those shadows were brutal. Yeah, they can be <laughs> tough in Rome. <laughs> That's wacky. All right, Jim, uh, here's our schedule. Monday in Rome, coverage starts 4 a.m. Eastern. A lot of fantastic early matchups. Uh, Coco Golf and Putin Save it to get things kicking out. Taylor Fritz against uh, now the clay court specialist, Dan Evans. Not quite, <laughs> but he is awfully tough on it. There's just so much to choose from all the way down to the finish line. We'll close up with Sinner, the local hero, the team going up against a talented young Frenchman and Umber, but it, the, the hits just keep on coming here on Tennis Channel. Get up early, stay up late with us. Yeah, right. One tournament ends, we, another 1,000 yeah. begins. Andy, uh, as you looked at those matchups, did one stand out to you? I'm a Sinner fan. I, I, I want to see how I think he, you know, 19 and making his mark on the world, how he handles the pressure being the guy off that final in Miami last month. And I'm sure he's been getting a lot of uh, good Italian press, how he comes out in Rome in his backyard. Everyone deals with that home court advantage differently. Some people love it. Some people get a little tight. I'm curious to see now that he is, uh, you know, with, with apologies to Berrettini, who's a little bit more established, kind of the new star and the new face of Italian tennis. Curious to see how he handles that, that home cooking. Absolutely. And we saw Fabio Fonini on that list as well. It's going to be a great event. Danny and Prakash will start their coverage from Rome tomorrow. So we just keep on rolling here on Tennis Channel and much more still to come here on TC Live as Coco Golf gets ready to play Putin Seva. She takes us behind the scenes for the second installment of In Their Shoes. You don't want to miss this next. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com.
Oh, so soon. It's coming in three weeks. That video gets me so pumped. 15th year of Tennis Channel's coverage of Roland Garros. More than 330 hours live all 15 days. We've got the live men's and women's semifinals. Plus, the first 10 days, a night session on Philippe Chatrier. Cannot wait. Well, Tennis Channel and New Balance are partnering together to focus on some top players and their journeys to Roland Garros. The project is called In Their Shoes. And today we check in with former Roland Garros junior champ Coco Goff for a second time. Hey guys, it's Coco and I'm here in Boynton Beach, Florida at one of my home courts and I just finished practicing and we just tested out some cool New Balance shoes which I'm excited for you guys to see. Oh, these are cool. What? I love these. (laughs) One of the things that I look forward to for the play season is going to Rome. I've only been to Rome once and that was under the COVID restrictions so I haven't got to get the full experience but even then it's still a great tournament. One of the things that I'm working on in my game is definitely my serve, making sure I can get that kick serve out wide to get the ball above my opponent's shoulders. It was a good day and I hope to see you guys soon. I want to see those, those shoes that they, they blurred out. I mean, she, she said they were awesome. You're, you're a bit of a, of a sneakerhead. Huh? I am. And you're a New Balance I'm rep, a, I so I feel like you I know what those shoes I love look you. like. I cannot tell you. Sworn to secrecy. <laughs> but what I can tell you is I'm psyched to see Coco's second serve, too, because that's been a little bit of a problem for her at times in recent, uh, recent matches. So if she can get that thing under control, she plays some of the best defense uh, of anyone in the women's game, the forehand and the second serve, the areas to work on. You see them doing the hand toss. Andy, did you do a bunch of hand tossing in, in uh, early career like this where your coaches would get it out to you, get that racket head acceleration going? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't I actually don't think there's a better drill. Maybe the side on one where, as opposed to the one coming right in front of you. But I, I don't think there's a better way to create that wrist action where we're really, from a dead ball position, able to create that pace. So uh, good to see her doing that drill. Uh, hopefully it'll, it'll translate to the court. And uh, on the serve, I, I still that right elbow on the second serve sits a little low sometimes. I'd like to see her create some space. I think that would create a little bit more consistency. For the clay court season thus far, made the quarterfinals in Charleston, lost in the first round in Madrid to Carolina Pliskova. Took her to three sets, though. Let's see what she's got going in Rome as Coco Goff looks to get ready for Roland Garros, that first match against Yulia Putin-Seva that we mentioned, and then could take on either Polona Herzog or Maria Sakkari. I mean, you're not getting easy draws in these tournaments. These WTA 1000s are thick as thieves, and she's in a rough section. Putin-Seva is tough right from the beginning, and Sakkari to play Sabalenka if they went on form and seed. That is really difficult, but, you know, Coco is someone who is not afraid of the big stage. You never know. And she's playing doubles with Veronika Kudermatova, the top-ranked Russian who won the Volvo Car Open. So Coco always plays singles and doubles. Looking forward to a good effort from her. As always, new episodes of In Their Shoes available streaming and on Tennis.com every week. We look forward to seeing what those shoes look like. Coco, show us. Come on. Best of the best from Madrid is coming up next on TC Live. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Curry Erotic Weissman back on TC Live. Doubles final in Madrid. Rematch from the semifinals in Monte Carlo Gym where Mektic and Pavic beat Grenolliers and Zabayos. Today, revenge. Yeah, almost unbeatable so far this season. Mektic and Pavic, five titles, but... The first Spaniard, Marcel Granolliers, to ever win the doubles here in Madrid. Partners of bios to that one, and it was nip and tuck. That was 9-8 in the, the match tiebreak where they closed it out 10-8. Nothing between those two. That was an awesome doubles final as well. What a day in Madrid today. Yeah, I mean, the doubles, the singles, it was all fantastic. But you know what? Now all roads lead to Rome. And that's where we go back to more first-round action. How about David Goffin? He withdrew from Madrid with a groin injury, Andy, but he's a three-time quarterfinalist in Rome and taking on the Italian wild card today. Yeah, Mr. Fundamental, David Goffin. You, you rarely see him uh, beat himself. Sometimes not the firepower to take out the top guys when they're in form, but uh, just for junior tennis players wanting to maximize their games, watch a guy like this, strategically sound, technically sound, uh, and is able to kind of play against... You see these new guys like Berrettini and Zverev, who are all six foot six. It's nice to see the space for someone like Gofan who doesn't hit it the hardest, but there is still a place for for fundamentals with technique, with strategy, and it's always fun for me personally to watch David Gofan go about his business. The wee wizard gets it done. <laughs> uh, 2018 quarterfinalist Pablo Carino Busta meeting Laszlo Jera for the first time. And, you know, PCB just two spots off his career high of 10 in the world, Jim. They got to a, a slow start today, though, Jera, with the first set win. But uh, Carino Busta would slowly but surely start to figure this thing out. He had wrestled control of it, 6-3 in the second set. Then he kind of runs away with it here, 30-all, 4-1. He's looking to add to it, and he, he just, you know, he ends up getting this thing done, 6-1. Carino Busta, more success on hard courts in his career than the clay, but he's always solid. He's always good, and he's a little, a little bit along the lines of uh, David Goffin, Andy. Very, very similar, just so rock-solid fundamentally and mentally. We love the Foro Italico and all those statues, one of the most picturesque scenes in all of tennis. Taking a look at now some of the qualifying kudos to Tommy Paul, who gets through in three sets. And how about Christina McHale, who beat Leila Fernandez in her first qualifying match and then takes out Teague today? Yeah, very strong effort there. Bernardo Perra coming through as well. Sloan Stevens and Francis Tiafo. Tough days at the office, though. Sloan just missing out on a main draw spot, the number one seed in qualies. She's gone. And then Francis gets hurt and can't finish the match. That's a real shame. It is as we continue to follow Rome. And, of course, today is a special day. It's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there as we enter the social net. And that brings us to a lot of Mother's Day social media. Take a look at these things, Andy. Uh, I give you an open forum right now. You can talk about your mom, your wife, moms in general, whatever you'd like here. As long as no one else is talking about my mom, we're fine. Happy Mother's Day, Blanche Roddick. We are 
<laughs> we are so happy. And listen, relationships in tennis, it's this weird thing where you're in this circus traveling around the world. It's nice to kind of have that day where you can check yourself, realize maybe there's something more important uh, than a tennis match like those wonderful women uh, th that raised us. It's always nice to see these uh, these shout outs on uh, on such a special day. I know uh, my wife had, had breakfast made for her by my father-in-law this morning, a little massage saji So it, it was all good in the Roddick household. I haven't failed yet today. <laughs> Jim, can you can you top that? I, I cannot top that. I, I can just say that that uh, now living with a mother, with my wife Susanna, and seeing what it all entails, it gives you also a different perspective. And so much respect for both the, the fathers and mothers that are still actively playing on the tennis tour. To be able to juggle all of that is simply mind blowing for me. I didn't have to tackle that, neither did Andy. And we, I, I mean, just new appreciation for all of that. It's a special day, and uh, we're lucky to have our moms, and, and it's, uh, it's nice to recognize that. Absolutely. Happy birthday, Mom. Love you. Uh, by the way, there is a mom that's coming up very shortly, Caroline Wozniacki, yeah. eight months pregnant and playing golf. Jim, how, this swing looks sharp. That's smooth. Andy's the one who can uh, give us a view on the golf swing because he's got the better one between the two of us. How's the technique, Andy? That's Look at this. Hold the finish. Hold the finish. Secret. Listen, Colin Morikawa, all he says is, listen, I'm the best iron player in the world. I hold the finish. Look at Carol right here. Apparently, she's athletic. Who knew? She's got a nice flat swing, too. Very, very. She's got to be a, a great golfer if she put, spends any time. That is a really strong move. Eight-plus months pregnant and has a swing like that. Mm. Incredible Impressive. stuff. Once again, happy Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. Take a look at this. Sasha Zverev popping the bubbly. So is Berrettini. It was a big final in Madrid. We'll wrap up TC Live after this. Incredible. That's just big hitting there. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. Shot of the tournament. Jabur showing great lateral movements. Oh, please. Teeth, <laughs> what a brilliant answer. You do not see one-handers with that kind of strength, Ted. Just a Seven flick on. down the line. That Seven is just runs. incredible. She may be down in the score, but that is the point of the match. And it goes the way of Laura Siegman. Incredible defense by the Demon. Mark that down for best of the best. Alex Demonor with the running lob drops it on a dime. That is ridiculous. 
from Martan Vucevic. Eyes in the back of his head. So, Steve, how you didn't call any matches this week. How in the world did you get your voice on that highlight? I, you didn't hear me call Alex Dimonor's match? Because you did not. It's the magic of television. We're okay. in the magic box right. in Madrid, Jim. Okay. Come on. All right. The sorcery. Okay. We do it all. All right. Peeling back the curtain. That was a little <laughs> bit of a bender. All right. Uh, we're in Rome now. And so is Andy Murray. Getting some practice. He's having a training block this week. Practicing today with Diego Schwartzman as well as Novak Djokovic. Plans to return, Andy, in either Geneva or Lyon. How do you think he looks out there? I'm not going to get enough from this clip to know how he actually looks. What I do know is there's not a lot of guys who have won slams, won gold medals, are former number one in the world, and will fly to Rome just to spar and get some practice with the top players in the world. This is what sets Andy Murray apart. This is why he is respected by everyone. Just listen, I'm going to travel to Rome to get some grind sessions in, even though I'm not in the tournament, just to see where I'm at. Uh, Nothing but respect for Andy Murray. Yeah, we've talked so much and we'll continue to about the return of Roger Federer, who's going to play not this, this week coming up in Rome, but the week after in Geneva. But both Murray and Federer are eyeballing Wimbledon as the place they want to peak. And that's why Andy's trying to get these matches in on the clay, not because necessarily he wants to improve his ranking. Oh, that would be a nice byproduct when he does get into a tournament next week. But for him, it's all about the big picture. How does he get himself ready for the grass when he wants to accelerate. And he and Roger, they're riding in the same car for that one. And Andy Murray, looking to get into Roland Garros as well, said that they're not guaranteeing him a main draw wild card. He said, quote, they want to see me on the court competing. Whether that means I need to win matches or not, I don't know. So we'll see if he does that in Geneva or Lyon. Our coverage from Rome, bright and early tomorrow, 4 a.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Pacific. You can just stay up all night. Tennis Channel and TC Plus. Coco Goff starts off against Yulia Putin-Seva. Taylor Fritz in action. I'm curious about that Pagula-Kazakina match. Ali Risk against your defending Roland Garros champ, Iga Sviantek. For Sasha Zverev, 15th title overall, fourth Masters, and second trophy this year. For Jim and Andy and our entire Tennis Channel team, I'm Steve Weisman. Thanks so much for joining us on TC Live.